Giants during the episode. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're welcome back to another episode of the Bitch Mob ENT. We are back. We have tonight with us a special guest, Jason Goldstein. We'll be talking Giants talk as they were talking before we even started. We will be talking about A Rod's legacy, of course, and a little bit of this crazy weekend of football, like probably the best weekend of football that we've had, at least in our time frames. I don't know about the people back in the 40s. They're not around to tell us, but we'll have to get that. Greg, how you doing tonight? I'm good, bro. I'm feeling good. Jason Goldstein, the host, the host of the Bird's Eye View podcast. Thank you for hopping on with us tonight. Tell us a little about a little bit about the podcast, when it started, and like where can people listen to it? Uh, well, first off, thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to be on Bench Mob. So I'll I'll sort of explain the origins of it. Uh, you know, I've always listened to podcasts, listened to a lot of Barstool podcasts and some podcasts I listen to, I sort of want to give my insight and I'm like talking to myself. And then obviously sports came back during after a pause after COVID, there was the Yankees, there was the NBA bubble. There was a lot to talk about going on. So that's why I decided to create my own podcast. Uh, my nickname at school was Jaybird, Um, and obviously bird Goldstein. There's no real correlation to that. It, it kind of just happened. And so one of my friends from school, actually, we did a podcast like through Ohio State and it was called the Sideline Sports. And my segment was called the Bird's Eye View. Well, we only did that for about a year. The kids who ran it got really busy with it. Uh, I got really busy with other stuff. So then eventually I decided I would just go uh, make, make my own, keep the Bird's Eye View name. Uh, so I really talk about really my five sports, NFL, NBA, MLB, college football, college basketball, I follow all those pretty religiously. Like, you know, this past episode was only NFL focused, but there's always going to be, especially in season, usually a Giants rant, uh, you know, the Knicks, uh, Yankees, uh, and Ohio State football or basketball. So I always find ways to incorporate those teams, especially in season. Oh, that sounds dope, man. Especially going to Ohio State and being able to do it on your own, just starting your own thing. Trust, we we completely understand starting your own podcast and the struggles and the challenges that come with it. We're going to start off right there with the Giants, though. Giants, you guys got your GM. Giants got the GM, right? How, what are you, who are some of the coaching candidates that you see that you would want for the Giants that will put you out in the best position to succeed? I think number one has to be Dable. And at this point, it seems like it's Dable or nothing. I know they've interviewed Dan Quinn. They've interviewed Brian Flores. And really the only reason to not go with Dable, in my opinion, is having a head coach who has experience. 
after the whole Joe Judge debacle. You don't want to go maybe another rookie head coach. You know, Pat Shermer was, even though he wasn't a rookie head coach, was not very successful in his first stint. Uh, if you get a guy like Flores or Quinn, you guys you get a guy who's had success. But in my opinion, you have to go Dable here just simply because the offense has been pathetic the last two years. And even the first year of Shermer, it's been it's been unwatchable to the point where I'm turning these games off by halftime just to watch red zone. And I'm not even seeing the Giants anymore until it's like, you know, Scott Hansen's just mentioning, oh, yeah, a touchdown happened from the other team. Uh, so in my opinion, that's why you have to go with Dable. And plus, I'll be honest with him, he's a rookie. He's going to be a rookie head coach. There's no telling how he's going to be as a head coach. But without a doubt, you're getting the best play caller who's going to be available. I don't think you're not you're going to get a play caller who's as good as Brian Dable is uh, as an offensive coordinator. And, you know, the thing is, you can say, oh, maybe you nab, uh, oh, say, oh, maybe you hire Leslie Frazier and nab Ken Dorsey. Brian Dable's getting a job no matter what, and Ken Dorsey's going to be that offensive coordinator. So, you know, I've heard a rumor that Dorsey might come into the Giants with Dable. I can't see that happening. But, yeah, to me, it's Dable or nothing. Let me ask you a question. I've been thinking about this as a Giants fan the last couple of days, and I need to run it by somebody. I haven't gotten a chance to run it by anybody yet. And I, actually, I was going to say it in the next episode of our show, but you know what? Screw it. Let's talk about it right now. So I've been thinking to myself, if we get Brian Dable, which it looks like it's going to be, that's going to be the case. We're going to get Brian Dable. Are you interested in this guy, Malik Willis, coming out of Liberty? What do you think about the physical tools he has? I, I think that the guy like him, pairing him with Dable would, would be interesting, right? I mean, it reminds me a lot of Josh Allen. Obviously, he's not Josh Allen, but they have physical tools, right? Malik Willis is fast. Probably runs like a 4-5, four, five, four, five, sub 4-5 four, in the 40. He's got an amazing rocket arm. He can throw off, di- off different platforms. He does things that Josh Allen does. What do you think about the idea of pairing them um, together? I mean, behind running back, I would put quarterback on the bottom list, bottom of the Giants' needs right now. Uh, and that's simply because I think there's so many holes elsewhere. You know, you talk about that similarity, you know, with Daniel Jones. And I'm not saying he is, you know, you know, the things he gets talked about, his arm. Josh Allen has that amazing arm and what he can do with his legs. So a lot of, you know, Daniel Jones's two main strengths are some of Josh Allen's strengths. So you're interested to see how Dable can play to that. In my opinion, uh, you're not going Malik Willis at five or seven. No way. They're just, I, you're, not in, you're not in danger of him getting picked that early, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, and look, I mean, if Joe Shane goes with Malik Willis, I'm going to tr- trust Joe Shane because he's our new GM. If he sees a guy he wants and he's going to go get him, that's his franchise quarterback. And, I, you know, my GM, he believes that's that's his guy. I'm going to believe him. This is outside blood. I'm going to put a lot of blind faith in him unless he's making mistakes, like taking – unless he takes like, a kicker in the first round. But uh, I'm going to put a lot of blind faith in Joe Shane. If he were to take Malik Willis – but right now, that would not be like my thought at all. And at five, seven, even the top of the second round, I, I I agree on a need based situation. Like right, you think you think about O line, right? You go get Tower Lindebaum and Evan Neal or Charles Cross or one of these great tackles, right? You fix the O line with those first two picks. That's the consensus among Giants fans. But what I I the only reason why I came to mind is because I don't I don't know that Daniel Jones is safe. I don't think anyone can can argue that he is right. So how much do you believe in Daniel Jones going into next year? Uh, I've never been very high on him. I mean, don't get me wrong. Coming into that draft, I wanted Haskins. Obviously, there was a lot of bias there. (laughs) Uh, You know, after last year, I was not a Daniel Jones guy. Probably through the first four weeks after the Saints game, the Washington game, 
you know, I was starting to be like, okay, you know, this guy can do it. Uh, look, Kim, he's never, I don't think he's ever going to be a franchise quarterback. In my opinion, there's not that many franchise quarterbacks, maybe about seven, eight, nine actual franchise quarterbacks in the NFL. While a lot of guys are guys who are good, but they, you know, they have things in place around them. You know, Dan, that's my, that's my thing with Daniel Jones is I don't think he's a bad quarterback. He could be successful back in this league. And if the Giants put the right pieces around him, but the Giants have done everything they could to fail him, not giving him an offensive line, not giving him a good offensive coordinator. Well, I'll give him I mean, Pat Schumer actually knew how to call plays of his style. Pat Schumer just was not fit to be the head coach of that team. Uh, so that's my whole, that's my thing with him is if he went, let's, if they traded him to somewhere who, I don't know, maybe Denver he would succeed in or, if I, I think the Giants are better off seeing what they have one more year in him, or even potentially, this is something I've you know floated around. Shane, they obviously signed Mitch Trubisky this offseason. If they can get him on like two, three million dollar contract for cheap, have him come in, be either the backup to Daniel Jones or hell, even compete with Daniel Jones. Because, like, in my opinion, they're kind of the same quarterback, Daniel Jones and Mitch Trubisky. I've been hearing that, man. I, I, I got a text message today from someone saying, yeah, you guys are going to bring in Mitch, and Mitch is going to compete with Daniel Jones for the starting job. And I was like, is this where we are with Daniel Jones? Is, is he – because Mitch wasn't – I mean, he wasn't horrible, but he wasn't good. <laughs> you know, I, I felt like Daniel Jones was better. I thought that first year with Shermer, he had a good a good season outside of the fumbles, you know. I, I, I'm i I'm surprised where we are with him. I know, me too. It's just like – especially with adding Galladay getting zero touchdowns, it's just – to me, you can't even be mad at Kenny Gauda and say, oh, yeah, you know, he was, you know, took the money and became lazy because the Giants just simply didn't know how to use him. I, I agree. I totally agree with that. I think it was a function of the offensive coordinator and also a little bit on Daniel Jones because they had no rapport. Those guys, you know, he wasn't throwing them back shoulder throws until week eight or nine. It was ridiculous. And, you know, with a guy like Kenny Gauda, as big as, as big as his frame is, you want to throw him back shoulder throws, let him go make contested catches. Just wasn't nearly enough in the, of that in the playbook and the game plan. And I don't Totally blame Daniel Jones for that, but I just I, I do have my my concern with him is he doesn't make guys around him better in my opinion the way that you see Aaron Rodgers do it the way you see and obviously Aaron Rodgers is the class of his loan but just the way you see Joe Burrow these guys if they elevate these guys mm -hmm. around him right everyone seems to play better right the old line plays better everything just works better when you have a great quarterback and I haven't seen that with Daniel Jones I think there's just some some fire missing there um, which we may not ever see from him so that's my main concern but i think he's talented i do think he's this talent there like everybody else says i just talent gets you fired so as as yeah. gettleman knows right he got fired so god, god that was the worst era giants football so uh actually this one i want to ask you and this is one you know obviously two of the gettleman's better signings were bradbury and blake martinez i've been looking at a lot of things where the giants could save a good amount of money by you know, cutting or restructuring them so what are your thoughts on what should happen with Bradbury and Blake? Because I keep thinking, like, those are two foundational pieces, but Bradbury's not going to be worth that $21 million price tag. Could they restructure that? I don't think I don't think he's going to want to restructure. You know, Nate Soldier, they restructured his deal where his contract was as much as a dead cap it would be. With Bradbury's, it's $9 million. I don't think that it would, Bradbury would want to get paid that. And with Blake Martinez, I think it was about five. So curious on what you think we can do with, with those guys. I think I think Bradbury is interesting is an interesting case because you can restructure his contract, right? But you're going to get production out of him. I thought last year he had a pretty good season, all things considered. I know he didn't get mm -hmm. off to a great start, didn't play like an all pro like he did in that COVID year, the first year we signed him. But 
he still was a good corner, right? And you paired up with the Dory Jackson. Oh, I, I love the deal Dory Jackson's on it. Uh, people, people will get on the Giants about it. And I know now in hindsight, because you're a, a rebuilding situation, that it may not be the best signing in the world, but he played great football for them. I thought he played, did a good job. You didn't really hear people miss out of the field. And when you don't hear about corners, it means they're doing the job, right? When you hear about them, it usually means that they're, they're, they're doing bad. So uh, I, I would say that Blake, um, I, they need a middle linebacker. Their linebacking depth isn't good. So I think Blake is a little more invaluable to the Giants than Bradbury is. The corner situation with New York is pretty good. Uh, we have a good, you know, back for defensive backfield. So if I'm going to pick one that's more expendable, I'll say Bradbury is, even though he's a good player. But I think eventually Bradbury is a guy you can you can kind of dangle around in a trade and get something in return for as opposed to just cutting him, right? Um, you should try that before cutting him. But if you have to and you have to save the – because Mara did say he's willing to eat that cap. So there's going to be some cap casualties. I think Shep's already going to be one. I think oh, Bradbury is sure. – Shep's definitely gone. And I think that Bradbury is likely could be one, right? Um, could be if they can't trade, find a trade suitor for him. But I think Blake, because of that linebacking depth, you, you got to keep him. Yeah, I just don't see how. I can see with the linebacking depth and with the ACL injury, Blake definitely being open to a restructure. Yeah. And uh, maybe even potentially uh, having it extend, you know, basically that dead cap, big, whatever that dead cap it's going to be, having that be his base salary and extend the rest even until next year. If they could just do something because they're definitely going to need that. Um, the linebacker has been an issue since Antonio Pierce. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and, and Blake was the solution for a while. For a while. <laughs> he had a good first year here. Used to address it every single year. Yeah, it, it is. I, I mean, I just think there's, there's cap doctors out there, right? Mm-hmm. You can fix the cap. I do think it's a little bit overblown. I think they will have some money to play with when they go through this crazy restructure they're going to go through. There's going to be a lot of evaluation. A lot of guys are going to be up for sale. A lot of guys are going to get cut. That's just the way this thing works when you bring in a new GM and a new coach with the, with the new vision, right? And Wink isn't going to run the same system that, that Pat Graham did. So there'll be some adjustments. And, I, you know, that's saying Wink gets it, right? We're just speaking preemptively. But mm-hmm. if Wink does get it, or whoever the new DC is, you know, you're likely to see some guys get moved. Leonard Williams is a guy who I would not be surprised if we're talking about trading him down the line. That, that cap hit is crazy. Well, um, you know, I honestly, like, I don't mind Leonard Williams, but that, that if we can trade him, I'd be thrilled. Because, I mean, I was always, always in the camp where I'd, I wanted Dalvin back over Leonard simply because I knew Leonard was going to be way too expensive. But there was no way Getham was going to let that happen after that trade. And you just knew that he was going to. Yeah. And, and, 10-tech season happened at the right time. <laughs> all, 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 yeah. all, all the contracts last off season. I mean, don't go wrong. They were of need. But they were such gross overpays. I mean, yeah. you know, this it was a downwide receiver market. Galladay was a gross overpay. And it's not like Galladay was coming off this big season. He was coming off an injury plague season where they probably could have gotten him at like two or three less million per year. Uh, you know, Adore Jackson was definitely not 15 million per year good. Another guy was injured. Another mm-hmm. guy was injured. You know, coming off injury, oh, you pay him a crazy number. With the new GM, it's looking like a new day. It's looking like Mayor and the Giants are doing things differently. What do you think could be – obviously, we don't see what the offseason hasn't happened, but with this, it's seeming like a new day. It's seeming like a new regime, new new moves are being made. What do you think could be possibly the ceiling for the Giants going, like, next season? I mean, NFC East is weak. We saw what the Cowboys did, made the playoffs, but it didn't matter. We saw what Philly did. <laughs> it didn't matter. So in a, a year that might be considered a rebuild, it's the NFC East. So a rebuild can still get a playoff spot for I mean, the Giants. I'd say technically their ceiling is the NFC East, 
But as long, if this team gave me a, a year where they're in the hunt and not like NFC East in the hunt to like week 15, week 16, uh, you know, even week eight, uh, 17, you know, if they're not in there in week 18, like that's fine. I'm not asking this team to make the playoffs, but, you know, get me seven, eight wins. If they can get nine wins and just miss out in the postseason, I would be ecstatic. Some of that shows me, and, you know, I know everyone clowned Joe Judge for that press conference, but he talked about foundation, but actually show me foundation because, look, I mean, they, they did show foundation in 2020, no matter, you know, how you feel about that or not. And, you know, show me something like what we saw in 2020, but not fluky. Cause you know, you take away that four game winning streak. One of those wins came against Brandon Allen. That's four and or at six and 23 in his two Barely seasons. Beating Brandon Allen too. Barely beat him. Barely beating Brandon Allen. Yeah. Uh, and like you, I'm trying, like you're trying to going back to last season, none of those wins were really impressive. No, I think the Seattle Seahawks yeah, was an impressive win because of the defense's performance against Russell Wilson, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that the ceiling is just to be competitive. I think eight wins, right? You eight eight wins. I think eight nine wins would be nice. Yeah, that's that's going to get a lot of praise around here since you haven't had a season. You haven't had a season like that in a long time um, in, in New York. So I would say that's about the ceiling. But again, there's going to be a lot of shifting. We don't know what the team's going to look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of reorganization here. We don't even know. We really don't even know if Daniel Jones is going to be the quarterback. We, I'm not sure. I can't be sure. I don't know that they like even if they don't draft a quarterback. Like I throughout the Malik Willis conspiracy out there, um, or them falling in love with one of these guys. Even if that's not the case, they may go get a, a Marcus Mariota, and hey, say hey man, like come in here and you'll compete week to week with Daniel Jones. If he's not getting the job done, if he's fumbling the ball, you're in. You're in, and you're, you're going to carry us through until we go get our quarterback in 2023. So. It's it's tough to say, but I would I would imagine Dan Jones is the guy, and hopefully Dable gets the best out of him. Best case scenario for any Giants fan is Dable comes there, he's a quarterback whisperer, and he gets the best out of Daniel Jones, and they win about eight nine games. Right? I hundred percent think that's the best case scenario. I would love that, but obviously it's the O line, fix, fix the O line like that. That's the, that's obviously the first priority. And I think Shea knows that. I think Dable knows that. I think anyone who's coming in as head coach knows that. Yeah. I would oh. Agree. We had a crazy weekend of football, and we put up a poll talking about A-Rod and the Packers, and Jason hit us up and was saying he he feels Brady is the GOAT, but he doesn't have A-Rod as number two, A-Rod. So where do you see A-Rod's legacy after losing yet another home playoff game? They had a number one seed. They were favored to get at least to the – NFC championship game where does A-Rod's legacy rank in your eyes and where does he rank in your all-time quarterbacks uh he's definitely in my top 10 all-time quarterbacks I mean I haven't thought about who my top five all-time quarterbacks would be he definitely could be in there he's top five in times of all-time talent but if you're asking five quarterbacks that I would take to win a big game Aaron Rodgers is not one of those guys I'm sorry, he's come up short in the playoffs year in and year out. Uh, you know, obviously you're taking Brady. You know, Peyton, I'd probably take Peyton over Aaron Rodgers. You know, obviously Peyton, a lot of those head-to-head losses were to Brady. But after 06, Peyton became a lot better in the playoffs. I'd take Eli over Rodgers. I mean, you saw what happened when the two of them went head-to-head in the postseason. And this is just postseason. I'm act- I would not say Eli's a better quarterback of all time than Aaron Rodgers. Don't don't uh, get that mistaken. Uh 
But hell, Joe Flacco is, it gives me, you know, I feel more confident in Joe Flacco winning a better game than Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Ben Roethlisberger, for sure. Uh, that, and that just fell off the top of my head. There's a lot of quarterbacks, and this is just guys I've seen. Like, this doesn't even include the Steve Youngs, the Joe Montanas, the Troy Aikmans, uh, who have won multiple rings. I'm a, those guys were all seen as, go, you know, those guys were looked at as some of the best talents of their generations. Aaron Rodgers is miles, miles ahead of them in terms of talent. And he can't even make the excuse that he got stuck with Brady. You know, Peyton ran into Brady multiple times. You know, Aaron Rodgers multiple times. They were the clear favorite in the NFC. So I'm going to go through the years they lost. 2011, great, 15-1. and one. You know, Aaron Rodgers, oh, yeah, pretty should have went undefeated. They were easily going to win the NFC. Like, you know, the Giants came in and we kicked their ass. I mean, that's obviously the worst choke he's had. <laughs> Uh, that, that there was back-to-back -back years of losing to the 49ers and 12 and yeah, and 12 or yeah, 12 and 13 they lost to the Niners. Uh, you know those were those the defense. The, most some of those fell on the defenses, but you know those were good Niners defenses. Again, Rodgers didn't make the plays. Uh, there was the one game against Seattle where they got screwed with the onside kick. That's not necessarily on Rodgers as much. Uh, there was the, you know, the game against the Niners, the four touchdowns, the Buccaneers game, uh, they almost came back and yeah, Rogers didn't play great in that game. That NFC championship game against Tampa falls on them. Yeah. Uh, there was the Atlanta game where they just got flat out blown out. Uh, and you know, this is a different year, but the year against Arizona when they twice against Arizona, one time there was that Hail Mary and that unfortunately for them, the touchdown, and there was the one year. Like still one, still one of the most entertaining games I think I've ever seen where Aaron Rodgers fumbled, got sacked uh, in overtime, and they returned the touchdown and win the game, the Cardinals. Uh, like those have been – he hasn't done – he hasn't had any games where he's thrown like three, four touchdowns with the exception of that game, uh, and they end up losing. So a lot of these are bad losses. There have been conference – you know, most of these are – some of these are in the divisional rounds, a lot of one and dones. That yeah. playoff legacy is not very good. Uh, I don't know if I'd put him as the top five quarterback of all time. I'd put Peyton ahead of him. I'd put Brady ahead of him. I'd put Montana ahead of him. Uh, I mean, those two guys are definitely my top three. Definitely could put Rodgers as four or five. But, like, yeah, it's, it's for him. It's choked year in and year out in the postseason. And one thing I want to say about this year, and I was arguing about this with one of my friends who said this on my uh, on a comment on one of my Instagram posts regarding my podcast. He said that, oh, it's just a bad take to blame Aaron Rodgers instead of the special teams. Like, look, yeah, special teams technically did lose them that game. and But look, Aaron Rodgers set a precedent. He set a precedent. For him, you're the MVP. You literally are posting that this is the last dance. You're considered an all-time great. You can't be getting zero touchdowns and putting up just 10 points. He, he, shouldn't, be in, he shouldn't be performing. In a, he shouldn't be in a position where the 49ers special teams plays and the Packers special teams miscues allow the 49ers to win the game. I mean, don't worry, those are bad mistakes, but the mistakes were not drastic enough that it should have completely hindered Aaron Rodgers' ability. Last nine possessions, three points. So that, again, obviously, I think when you, when you boil down to it, I think when it comes to the conversation of quarterbacks and we always talk about what their records are, I think that can be unfair because we obviously know that's a whole lot of other factors that factor into it. Of course. Now, when you look specifically in context at these certain games, A-Rod has come up short plenty of times. And when you look at this game specifically, special teams played a part. Of course they did. 
But the last nine possessions of field goal, that's on you. You control that offense. You run that offense. You can't end up with a field goal on those last nine possessions. Greg, where is your viewpoint on A-Rod? I know we talked on the show. We all was thinking double A-Rod was going to get the win. We are we all picked him as the regular season MVP. What, what's your thoughts on this weekend? I don't think anybody really saw this happening, and not this way. Like, we have 49 as a dark horse, but not Aaron Rodgers playing how he played. No, I, I didn't see it coming. I mean, I, I thought, you know, with the 49ers being the matchup, I didn't think it was a great one. Um, but I, I was banking on, again, the quarterback matchup being in the Packers' favor, Aaron Rodgers over Garoppolo. I just I just trust Aaron Rodgers more. But, you know, give the 49ers credit, man. They It was a bad matchup. And the 49ers have matched up well with this team for a long time because they do the same thing. It's the same formula for that team. Every time you're looking at, Great run, great, great run game, right? They're going to run the ball really well because the quarterback play, and even with their quarterbacks historically, I mean, Colin Kaepernick, they had a run game with him and they've just always been able to do that. So just a great run game. And they also defensively are stout up front. They get after the quarterback with four guys and the defensive backfield is nothing to sneeze at either. And that D'Amico Ryans was incredible, incredible. I mean, he was fooling Aaron Rodgers, which is hard to do uh, post snap, just showing him different looks. So it, it was a lot of that that we saw. So I, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not really entirely surprised. I'm surprised by the offensive output, but where I hold Aaron Rodgers now is just, hey man, you, you don't get the job done enough, right? I mean, and, and we're spoiled as, as New Yorkers and Giants fans having Eli Manning who got the job done. What it felt like every single time he got the the job done, um, but nah, man, he doesn't get the job done enough. And it, in a year where he has been a, a distraction. Right. He's been a distraction. We've been talking about him a lot for all the wrong reasons because this hasn't, and he's been great as on, the, on the field, but as a, he's just been, he's held the organization hostage. Right. He's like, I don't know if I'm going to come back. I don't know if I want to be here. Well, okay, cool. Whatever. Fine. I'm all about player mobility. Great. But then it's about the, the now it's about the vaccine. I don't know if I want to get vaccinated. All right, cool. Aaron, do what you want to do, man. Just don't, don't lie about it. It's like, okay. Like it is what it is. There was no vaccine requirement in Wisconsin and you didn't have to even lie about it. Um, it's been a distraction. It's been a lot. So there's a lot of things factoring into people piling on or piling in on him now and, you know, <laughs> making all the jokes uh, about him now. And I, I get it. But at the end of the day, as a football player, he's in, he's phenomenal. He, but I, look, I'm of the mindset that we're going to see a more talented player in this generation. We're going to Josh Allen. Oh my God. I can't believe it. Mahomes. Jo- and Mahomes, right? Like Josh Allen and Mahomes, these guys are going to be looked at as more talented players at the end of the day than Aaron Rodgers, and they may be more accomplished, which is scary. I know for sure Mahomes will. Yeah, Mahomes will be more accomplished at the end of this. Mahomes has a chance to challenge Brady. Mahomes will is going to be in that GOAT conversation with Brady. That's what we're looking at. That I, I've never seen anything like it. I think Mahomes wins a ring this year. He already has a greater legacy than Aaron Rodgers. It's already done. It's, the conversation's already over. That is yeah. a, it's, that's, isn't that crazy? Like um, Mahomes is different, man. Mahomes 13, is different. 13 seconds. Dak Prescott had 14 seconds. He did it in less time. I got a. T- that is ridiculous. Mahomes is different, bro. And Dak was closer. I know they had to score a touchdown, but Dak was already like near, he was probably like a 30, 40, right? These guys started in their own 20. <laughs> Different yeah, situations, but insane. When you think it was, it. I mean, that was just, yeah, I mean, that game was just one of the best games I've ever watched. Uh, I think Aaron Rodgers, I think he's done in Green Bay. I don't know if he's going to go somewhere else. I don't know if he's going to retire. But I think he's just – I think he's played his last game as a Packer. I think low-key he might retire. It seems like 
like Greg said, like a lot of this season has been for Aaron Rodgers, a lot of stuff off the field. And he obviously enjoys talking. He obviously enjoys being on Pat McAfee's show. He obviously enjoys talking politics. I think he he probably is just going to retire and go into greener pastures doing other stuff. Like, it don't even seem like football is really the focus for him anymore. Not saying the love ain't there, but, I mean, even after the game, my man was talking about, oh, I don't want to be a part of a rebuild. So, I mean, <laughs> the Packers want to be a part of a rebuild. Do y'all remember? Hey, A-Rod, you, you know y'all. When was the last time they rebuilt? Yeah, right. They, they haven't <laughs> rebuilt my entire lifetime. That's never happened. Yeah. See, what are you talking about? So to me, him even bringing up that, it's like, all right, he, he trying to figure out a way to get out. He don't that team back. has had 30 years of uninterrupted Hall of Fame level quarterback play, and he's talking about a rebuild. A rebuild. Yeah. Two, two rings to show for it. Two rings to show for it, which is madness. Three NFC titles. And and, and the, the, the front office shouldn't get a pass in any of this. They have they have missed in some on some picks. Um, I saw a crazy list today saying they missed on A.J. Brown by one pick. They missed on a list of just all pro-wide receivers that could help a guy like Aaron Rodgers. And Jordan but, Love. Like, now, now all of a sudden you're getting so – it. they draft Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers. You know, at, at the time, Rodgers, I get it, I guess wasn't compiling the best seasons, but I feel like you still – Rodgers under contract for a number of years. Was Jordan Love the right quarterback? You know, why didn't you wait maybe till this year or even last year to try to do that quarterback? Last year would have made a lot more sense, right? You wait till a really a, you, maybe Arch Manning's class. You had time. I mean, these guys are playing forever these days. You had so much time, and and it fractured your relationship with the guy. And things didn't go left, really go left, until they drafted Jordan Love. That's when we started hearing the whispers and the murmurs, and then Aaron Rodgers started talking and going on Pat McAfee, and yep. um, you know, that's really when it all started. So you you risked it for what? Is, is Jordan Love really worth it? I mean, that's the question. Does he have plus physical traits that I just don't see? I mean, Josh Allen had a, a wide open wide receiver 20 yards down the field and instead took Gabriel Davis splitting a safety 50 yards down the field instead just for fun. I, I, I've never seen anything like it. We're, we're in an era right now where quarterback play is scary. How good these guys are. It, 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 is. it is scary. How good these guys are. And it is not far fetched to believe that a lot of these dudes are going to be looked at more highly than the guy. Like I'm, I mean, Brady and look, guys are going to be hunting Brady down. Mahomes is going to be hunting Brady down. Mahomes is already the most talented quarterback I've ever seen in my life. Like I'm, it was Rodgers for the longest time. Now it's him. It's insane. And, and Josh Allen is – he's a he runs like a tight end, and he throws the ball, like, from all types of weird angles. He has a crazy arm. He has a hose. It, it is it is it's special. Incredible. And Herbert – come on, man. Joe Burrow. No, Josh, Josh Allen is what Cam Newton wish he could have been. Because Josh Allen can run that ball, but he's way more accurate than Cam ever was. Can we, can we, can we just admit now that Cam was a better runner of the football than him, though? Is that okay? Mm-hmm. Is, that, is, that, oh, is that fair? That, oh, okay. I'm making yeah, sure. Okay. All right, I'm just making sure that I'm was similarities. <laughs> like, of course, of course, Cam was a better runner, but I'm saying you give and take. So Cam's a better runner. Oh, no, but Josh, Josh is, as a passer, good yeah, lord. Yeah, good Josh, Josh lord. is a better player. Josh is a better player. Yeah. At their primes, Josh is the better player. Josh. Some of these throws he makes in the different arm angles and off platform. That's what I want um, out of a Giants quarterback. Okay. I that's what I need. I need that. And I see Malik Willis and I have visions that Brian Dibble can make it work with the triple option and crap. And they, I, I really think I there's like a, there's, there's something there. <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm not thinking about Malik Willis like that at all. He's not even on my radar. The, and that's fair. I'm being ridiculous. I'm just throwing stuff out there where that the, the, the real thing is draft Tyler in the ball and fix your old line, man. And yep. Let's 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 run it back and draft our quarterback the year after if that's what it comes to. I, that's logical. 
100, 100% hey, real agree. Quick, real quick, I want to get your, your viewpoint on this. And you know, Greg, we probably going to talk about this on the show, but I want to get this on there because just to have it fresh, we probably going to probably drop this episode literally tomorrow. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on overtime rules? What should have Josh Allen got that chance to go back and score? Absolutely. So I'm, I've always said, though, one thing, I don't think the NFL should adapt college rules. Uh, you can give me some variation, maybe from the 50-yard line, maybe their own 40-yard line, uh, but obviously not the opposing team's 25-yard line. I think that's too short. Or simply just do it, you know, each team gets one possession. Then you can say, oh, but one team got two, the other got one. At that point, your defense allowed touchdowns on back-to-back drives. That's on you. Uh, you know, m- maybe the other team can get a field goal after the touchdown. Uh, and uh, I get you can say, oh, one team got two, one team got one. It, it comes down to a coin toss. That, that time it's different. I think the other th- each quarterback should at least get a chance to touch the ball once. Uh, you know, he, they get a touchdown. All the quarterback throws a pick. Just like if the first team kicks a field goal, then it's game over. I mean, this whole the reason this rule got created was, was in 2010 when the Saints – Beat the Vikings in overtime. Vikings never touched the ball uh, because of a field. And the Saints, all they got was a field goal. Well, nothing's changed where teams in big games like this are playing great and never getting a chance to touch the ball in overtime just because it's a touchdown and not a field goal. Greg, what's your, what's your, what's your thoughts on it? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really torn on this. And I was hoping I wouldn't have to answer this question until Thursday. I'll just tell you. Not, I mean, I'll just tell you, like, I, I'm torn because – this with the 17th game they added is already tough with the injury management now it's harder on teams and player safety and then now you're talking about giving two teams a roll at it and, and you should you really should give the both teams get a chance to, to score and both teams should get a chance to have the ball in their hands in overtime in the playoffs and everything's on the line yes i agree but you just run the chance of injury right it affects the next week and you got to think about it this way too that this game happened on sunday they're going to be playing the chiefs are going to be the winner of this game was going to play the Bengals Anyway, the Bengals already had a day of rest at that point. So you're already at a great, you're already at a disadvantage in terms of rest. Right. And now you're going to add another, you know, what, six, seven minutes to this game, because I mean, look, no, no one was getting stops. No one was getting stops. It, it could have gone forever. So I, I don't know, man. I, look, you gave 13 seconds. The Bills are complaining about the wrong thing. 13 seconds, you guys. Yeah. Are that's ridiculous. That's that's video game. Yo, I don't do that in Madden. No <laughs> one does. Let's ridic- I don't do that in Madden. That is absurd. So, yeah, I have a hard time with that, man. Like, that, that's tough. Like, don't complain about the rule, but they should change it. So, change. I think the rules should change in this specific situation, though. Bills need to shut up. Y'all defense did terrible. They weren't they on, were missing. Man. For the Bills in this specific situation – of course, as a fan, I'd love to see Josh Allen go back out there. Yeah. But just as a general thing, yeah, change the rule. Bills in this situation, that's y'all fault. Y'all should have played D. Y'all should have stopped 13 seconds. Fine, you're going to stop the 13 seconds. Overtime, look, our man Josh Allen has been hot. He's been rolling this game. Let's get him the ball back because we know if we get our quarterback the ball back, game over, we're going to the next round. This is on the defense. That's their fault. I think you change the rule only for the playoffs and just to make it simple so we don't hear the, oh, my team didn't get the ball, my quarterback didn't, or they got it two times, they got it one time. It's playoff football. I agree, Greg, you got to be concerned about, you know, injury and health and, oh, they played an extra 
15, 20 minutes and they got to come, the other team got rest. I think you just do another quarter. Do another 15-minute quarter. Boom. Y'all got a whole quarter figured. I don't want to hear nothing after that. No exp- mm. no complaints because fit- whole another quarter, boom. Everybody's going to touch the ball now. That's what ball, my friend ball. said. I think that's how you do it. Just a, a straight like that and for some weird reason, after another quarter, they tie, then something death then. But I don't see that happening. Do another quarter, everybody touch the ball, especially in a game like this. Or a quarter with reduced minutes. It would have ended the same way. It would have been a, the fifth quarter, 13 seconds left, Mahomes would have got a field goal. I think <laughs> it would have ended the same way. But for the fan aspect, because you want to see the other quarterback get the ball, do another quarter in the playoffs. Regular season, keep it the same. Playoff time, do one more quarter. That's how I view it. That, that's very fair. Uh, I don't, a lot of my friends also suggested the extra quarter. Before we get you yeah, out of here, we got to talk. We definitely got to talk some Knicks talk. Um, Miles will definitely tune in for this part because he's a, he's a Knicks <laughs> fan. What is your what is your viewpoint on the season so far for the Knicks? And specifically, I really want to hear from from you on this specifically what is your views on what's been going on with julius randall lately uh well so first off the season's obviously been disappointed so i mean i love my knicks but i wasn't blind i came into this year with cautious optimism oh this team this team has always been up until last year what could go wrong will go wrong and so i knew don't get too optimistic and usually, most of the time, I see a guy like Julius Randle have a breakout year like that in, like, his eighth, seventh, eighth, ninth year, whatever. I want to be skeptical and be like, oh, it was a one-year wonder. But this was me having hope, believing, no, no, he's really turned the corner. This was a new system for him, you know, being that top guy. But I knew deep down, I'm like, in reality, he's not really the alpha dog. And even when he had that extension, I was like, I would have rather him gotten another year and, you know, earned, you know, even more. Yeah, it's it's people say, oh, the extension is actually at a great price. But if he played great again, maybe he would have earned the high price tag. Or if he's playing like this, then we know. Don't re-sign him. We have rooms for two guys with the super max. But the, the team has shown a better culture, but they're, they're still not great now. Like Again, I mean, I really loved Randall for what he did last year, creating the turnaround. Uh, I think with him, though, he's not used to this, like, the New York fans, and that is New York fans. It's what have you done for me lately? They'll go from loving him, and now now he's going to get booed. So he's like, oh, so you guys love me, and now you hate me. So he's going to be a little critical of that. Uh, he, he never expected to actually be an alpha dog, in my opinion, up until last season. Uh, so it's different. This wasn't a guy who was signed on to be – I don't think anyone expected – the Knicks even expected him to be the guy he was last year. So it's weird, and I just wish that – I just hate hearing these – I mean, the thing is most Knicks fans – I mean, I don't know if you ever listen to WFAN, but, like, sometimes I, like, listen to it just because it's literally – it's the same person. They all have the same accent, and they all say the same <laughs> stuff. And it just, like I, – I have a friend who always complains. I can't talk Knicks, Yankees, or Giants with him because all his complaints, he just sounds like the stereotypical WFAN caller. It's like, oh. And even then, like, I, I was against Fournier, so I actually, like – Fournier has always been one of my all-time slander team uh, for the NBA. Like, my friend was, like, he's a Nets fan, but he was, like, oh, my God, the Celtics, I'm so scared for them. Like, dude, all they have is Kemba and Fournier. He goes, watch out. I'm, like, you realize Kemba's not 100% and Fournier is trash. And then we signed Fournier, and I go, I've literally bashed this guy now. 
like you know, shooting guard. Uh, so I don't like yeah. So that I didn't like that. Randall, I don't know, man. I mean, even yesterday's game, people were saying, "What the hell was that?" That Thibodeau threw up. I don't see who anyone who if anyone wa- wa- watches basketball, how stupid do you have to be that Tom Thibodeau? The thing Tom Thibodeau actually drew up a play that said. I'm going to have Julius Randle take it back here and shoot a fadeaway. If you actually know basketball, you'll know the Cavs were playing great defense. And the, and we couldn't even, like, that's the only option at that point. You couldn't even, like, get, like, something in the corner of the Cavs were playing that great a defense. Obviously, I wish Thibodeau could have drawn something up better that in the event the Cavs were suffocating, you don't get that shot. But people legitimately think Tom Thibodeau drew that up, and it's like, God, this is why people love seeing the Knicks suffer because of those kind of fans. It's true. He's most definitely smart, smartest Knicks fan I ever heard. Hey, <laughs> yeah, this is the uh, best Knicks fan I've heard in a while. This is this is you, he's challenging. He's, he's coming from my spot. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, I that's have the a, smartest Knicks. That's the smartest Knicks take I've ever heard. I bashed the Evan Fournier trade thing in the real time. The signing. Hmm. And the most honest, like oh, easily very not, honest. I, easily very honest. I, I mean. The Randall, the Randalls, yo, look, you couldn't say anything bad about Randall in the city, man, after that season he came off last year. I never thought it was a smart idea to, to extend him for like an ex- a serious period of time. Give yourself the flexibility. Brad Beal's going to be in the market, right? He's not happy mm-hmm. in Washington, right? Give yourself the fl- – and I'm not saying Brad Beal's not an option, even with this deal being done, but just give yourself the flexibility. Go get guys. Levine was a question mark for the longest time. The Bulls are obviously resurgent, but you, you, you there were guys in, in – to you know, I don't know to, to tie yourself to a guy like Randall. I'm not saying he's not a good player. I'm not. He's a nice story, but again, man, those those year nine breakout seasons don't tend to be the the realest thing to buy into. You know what, J- Jason? Let me ask you this, man, because I, I feel like we're, we're nearing the end. What is your take on R.J. Barrett? What do you think about R.J. Barrett? How do you feel about him as your as your your lottery pick? There, I want. I'd like hey, to. Know. Hey, hey. Hey Jason, before you answer, I, I just want to know. Don't don't even don't 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 lead him. Don't lead him. I just want to know what he thinks. I actually just want to know his honest to god opinion of, of I, I've RJ. Had, Barrett. I've had people, my friends, especially last year when RJ. I think last year they're like, "Oh my god, RJ's terrible." Like you guys, I'm like, okay, you act like any other team at number three was not going to take RJ Barrett. Like he was clearly the number three guy in that draft. Like people want to clown the Knicks for that pick. Okay. At the, the only reason people climb the Knicks for that pick is simply because it's the Knicks. If any other team makes that pick, it's fine. But also, it's the New York fans. It's We act like a guy like R.J. Barrett is what John ja Morant is. And that, that's one thing. It's like, look, I, I love the Knicks, but being around Knicks fans and knowing certain Knicks fans, I, I get why people hate us because ha- half this fan base is toxic. Like, Knicks Twitter is – I mean, Knicks Twitter is a bad place. <laughs> Knicks Twitter didn't want DeMar DeRozan. <laughs> Here's my here's my thing, Jason. All my friends that know, all my friends, all my close friends, they'll tell you before that draft, I was texting them. I was like, yo, okay, obviously, you know, when when the seat when the, when the seating came out and we knew you guys were where you guys were gonna pick, I said, there's no chance that this team is gonna be able to get John Morant or Zion Williamson, two franchise hitting players right away. We know that. Okay, cool. So I, I was looking around. I had been following Darius Garland his entire high school career, like I and in college, and I, I loved this game. I thought he was the most skilled guard I'd I had, I had watched come up since Kyrie. Like that's how highly I thought of him. And I was saying, you got to draft Darius Garland. You haven't had a point guard my entire life. Draft him, draft him. And now they're like, they were like before they're like, all right, you know what? That's ridiculous. You, you know, you're not making any sense. Like 
the, the consensus number three choice is RJ. We're making the choice that all the experts expect. I'm like, that doesn't mean it's right. Drive Derry. <laughs> and obviously we have no control, but I'm just saying Derry is the guy. But um, now it's changed to, okay, well, we're the Knicks. If we drafted Darius, he wouldn't even be this good. It wouldn't have worked out. And I just think it, it's so crazy. Like, oh, I, I don't sure. know. I mean, I'm one of the people that was talking about Darius in that way, but I love Darius Garland game. And I, yeah, I, that's yeah. why I give them a hard time a little bit about it. I know one of my friends is on the Darius Garland chain. Like, that that night of the draft lottery, that was the night of my 21st birthday. And, like, oh. so I was like, I was like, you know what, like, God, you know, it's my 21st birthday. You know, most kids, their plan is go have a crazy night. Obviously, you know, I was going to have some friends over, but it was a week that I'm like, God, if the Knicks get one in this draft lottery, we know, you know, who knows how it would have turned out if we got one. Yeah. Uh, I will, like, not touch alcohol for my 21st birthday. Just, just give me Zion, please. Like, that was awesome on my birthday was give me one. I mean, if, I would have been fine with two. Like, it was just like, of course. Like, that, of course. <laughs> but that it, <laughs> At this point, I'm just, that's why I'm very, like, skeptical uh, that we're even going to make it in 10. I can still see us being 11, one game back. I'm not giving – I'm not giving up on the season because I'm, the team is good. My reason for being – for giving up on the season would be Nick's pessimism and just the the feeling of what will go – what can go wrong will go wrong. It always happens with the Knicks. I like Jason, man. This is this is good. It's like all the, the pessimism. That's normal. That's like the smart Knicks fan thing. Like the pessimism. I don't. I don't wish this kind of thing on anybody. I don't wish bad luck on anybody. But you know, like Miles is so optimistic, and I'm like, what? You're a Knicks fan. It doesn't even make any sense. The, the, the two things don't go together. They don't. They're not married. You can't be a Knicks fan and be optimistic. You got to pick one. And if you're gonna exactly. be optimistic, then go somewhere else. Because then you and Knicks fans who were so optimistic last year talking like we're gonna go to conference finals. That's our ceiling Crazy, this year. Man. And I'm thinking, like, God, like, no, this is why, like, and now these fans are saying, oh, Randall, yeah, he was a bum, you know. I'm like, I mean, this is Randall. It, Randall is right now. He's who he always was. Right. You know, it's like, oh, he's a fraud. It's like, he, I'm not going to say he's a fraud. He won great years. Playing the way he's always played. I'm really excited about Quentin Grimes. This was a guy I love college hoops. I love Quentin Grimes. So I've been really love. high on the Grimes train. I knew he was going to fit right in to what Thibodeau wanted. His game reminds me a lot of Patrick Beverly. Uh, I don't think he's much. He's not as much of a. Am I allowed to curse on this? Uh, <laughs> not as much of a. You know what? I know. I know. Yes. 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 I, I know. I know. As Beverly, but yeah, I just have like you know. I know Knicks fans. Some of them are just like. It's so hard to have like a real talk with real with with Knicks fans. It's it, it's not fun. I really. I mean, also the one thing I'm going to say back in the off season, and like I don't see how any no Knicks fan got alarmed by the amount of money going towards our former free agents. Like, look, Rose had a good year. Burks had a good year. Noel, I mean, at first I bashed the Noel re-signing. I come to realize he's actually very important to this team's defense. But in my opinion, they gave all those guys too much money. And like, how much? we're not going to have that much cap space this offseason with all the free agents that were supposed to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Man, well, we got to do this again, of course. We always, like, collaborate podcast other people that's on the podcast area you know doing whatever type of podcast we always like to collab we always like to have guests on so we got to do this again but of course we appreciate and thank you jason goldstein the bird's eye view podcast all streaming platforms uh so yeah it's on i go through anchor so it's on spotify it's on apple music uh those are most of the ones i advertise for i know on anchor but it distributes them through a bunch I'll be Gosh, following, man. I'll we follow use Anchor, too. We use Anchor, yeah. too. So. Yeah, Definitely. so really, yeah. So all the places that Anchor distributes to as well. 
Gotcha. Well, you already know the vibes. If you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. Bench mob, we out. Peace. Peace. Thank you guys for having me. Take care. Yeah, man.